0: Again, go to first100k.com to grab your free 10-day training. Today, my featured guest is Kenneth G. He goes by Ken, right? He's our friend. Ken is the founder and managing partner of KRI Partners and the KRR Group of Companies. He has more than 24 years of significant real estate banking, private equity transaction, and principal investing experience. I've been bringing on a lot of these real estate investors, commercial, residential. I don't know why, but God's just lining up these guys, right? So obviously there's one or two or a thousand of you that need to hear. About this, right? So listen up. Grab your pen and paper, right? Take some notes. Uh, I already like Ken. He's got a personality, even though he was a CPA. <laughs> uh, you know, and he speaks about that. And listen, he's doing about thirty million a year right now in their business. He's winning. He's financially independent. He got over the hump, the top that you're all chasing right now. But he had like really big goals. We're going to get into that. It wasn't just financial goals. There was also some really personal life goals. Uh, but you know, Ken, he confessed to me just before we went live that he was a workaholic just like I was as a CPA in his former life. And that's why he made the jump. It was killing him, right? It's killing his relationships, et cetera. So he's going to tell us about that. Listen, Startup Nation, you're probably doing that right now. Admit it. Come on. Ken admitted it. I admitted it. I used to work 110 hours a week. What was the point? I was, I was, I was on the path. Listen, I, I grew up in New York, you know? And in New York, I remember on Long Island, Ken, it was like I was watching these guys. They're like 40 years old or whatever. And I'm, I'm in my teens and early 20s. And I'm watching these guys like having heart attacks at 40 like having heart attacks, right? Cause they're chasing the rat, the race, they're in the wheel, they're going around and around and they're dying, they're dying off and losing their wives, their kids, their their future, everything <clears throat> for what, money? Like, are you kidding me? And I was like, I gotta do something different. That's why I got into entrepreneurship. I wanted a way out. So Ken, Kenji, welcome to your first 100K top 100 podcast in entrepreneurship. Go ahead and just uh, take a minute or two, fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you?
1: yeah sure so uh first of all thanks so much for having me I'm thrilled to be here and as we talked about before uh we went uh on air here uh I feel really passionate about a lot of the same things you do so I'll take you I grew up uh quickly I grew up in Toledo Ohio got my undergrad from University of Toledo then I uh, moved to Cleveland pursued my uh, master's degree while working as a commercial lender at a bank in Cleveland uh then I got so I ended up with a degree in accounting so, when I let, uh, so, and that small university, by the way, in Cleveland was Case Western Reserve University. And if, if you're at regional, you might know who that is. If not, you're probably not going to know who they are.
0: But I can stop name dropping, man. I'm just busting your jobs.
1: What, uh, what I learned to do uh, through that process was take a look at what I thought I wanted to do. And so what I thought I wanted to be was a technician, I wanted to learn how to do something, right? So Mm -hmm. accounting was what I thought I wanted to learn to do. So I then left the bank, went to Deloitte for seven years, did all kinds of, I was in the tax side. So I did all kinds of tax planning and M&A work, private equity work, a lot of really cool stuff, right? I was working a lot. So here's what happened to me during that time though. Um, I had two small kids. My, My daughter had just been born. She was, I was doing the middle of the night feeding, right? So I worked during the day. My wife wanted a break. I wanted to spend time with my daughter. It was the only time I was going to be able to do it. So I did the middle of the night feeding. And so I would do this night after night. And if, uh, for those of you who have a daughter, you know, that's pretty cool. Father-daughter bond, man, that's a really, that's a tight Nothing bond. Nothing like it. I got it. It, I it feel is it. totally there. So I, you know, the house is quiet, everybody's sleeping and her and I would, you know, do this thing every single night. And then I start, what, what started to happen to me was I started to realize and get more frustrated as time went on. Rather than thinking about her and I, what I was thinking about was where I was going. How was I going to get to where I wanted to go? How was I going to be able to put her through school without burdening her with a bunch of debt, right? Because even though I was working a lot and I was, I felt like I was successful, I mean, you're burning through as much money as you're making. So I wasn't really getting ahead. And so I I couldn't figure out how I was going to retire. I couldn't figure out all these things. And then after a while, I started to get frustrated because that now started to ruin that time that I spent with her. Because what happens when the house is quiet and there's nothing else going on, you start to think. And that distracted from the whole purpose of doing the middle of the night feeding. So it, it was really frustrating me. So I finally decided I needed to make a change. So I took a couple of years and spent a bunch of money and tried to figure out real estate, uh, investing in apartments. Now back in the nineties, there weren't podcasts like this and every other to figure it out. There weren't seminars. I did a, one guy that was teaching it. His name was Carlton Sheets. I remember Carlton Sheets. Do you? Okay. Yeah, he did he his infomercials, doing, man. Yeah, he was doing single family homes. I used to watch those infomercials over and over and over. And I said, you know what? I, I got to figure this out. So I did figure it out. Finally, after a couple of years, I bought our first apartment complex. It was 28 units in a small part of Cleveland called Shaker Square. Then I bought another one. Then I bought a third one, right? So the first one I bought was, I borrowed money on my home equity line. My in-laws went in with me. So we really were scraping to get this done, right? And the second one and third one were kind of the same way. So here's the life changer for me. Now, remember I was working at Deloitte at the time. So it wasn't like I was hanging out at the apartment complexes all day because I was already working. So it was really, truly passive for me. And I had somebody on site doing all the work. So three years later, I sold those properties and I made over half a million dollars. And all of a sudden, it, it blew me away. It, it just blew my mind. Because first of all, I'm working like a dog and not getting anywhere. And now this thing that I did on the side, I was able to put a half a million dollars in the bank. So it was that point that I realized, guess what? I no longer don't know how to put my daughter through school. I now know what I got to do. I know how I'm going to retire. I know how I'm going to you know this is dramatic, but I kind of knew how I was going to take my life back, right? Yeah. If I could do this on the side, what if I committed more time and energy to it? It could really impact my time, and I could eventually leave that CPA life, which I did. You know, 25 years later, you know, 18 deals later, you know, we're we're where where we are now. And now I did put my daughter through school. I could retire tomorrow if I wanted to. I'm just having too much fun, and so it allowed me to answer all those questions that I didn't understand early on how I was going to do, right? There's nothing worse feeling like, okay, you're not spending any time with your family. You really want to spend time with your family, but you're working so hard and you're giving up this huge amount of your time, but you're still not going to get to your goals. Well, now I figured it out. So that that's what brought me to real estate. And that's probably why so many real estate people are on your podcast, because this it really does allow you to significantly change your life. And for me, it was all about family. It was all about trying to figure out how I was going to do for my family what I wanted to do for them. It wasn't about me. It was about my daughter and putting them through school and my son and and all that kind of stuff. So I know that was a super long-winded answer, but that's really how it came uh, for me.
0: Yeah, for sure. Startup Nation, listen, you look at your your spouse, you look at your kids, and you're like, they are my why they're why i'm doing this yes but sometimes like you're stuck in the darkness and you just don't see a light at the end of the tunnel you just don't see that way out that ken couldn't see when he first started but he he tried something new now ken you know i want to be real with you man you're cpa by trade right so you're a numbers guy right there's so many people that are listening to the show right now they don't maybe they're not good with numbers. Do you recommend they don't go into real estate investing if they're not good with numbers? Or like, do they have to be wired like you to be successful? Because it's all about the deal and the numbers gotta work, right? Period, it's not about just passion and emotion. Like, These are deals that need to work.
1: Yeah, uh, so the answer to your question is is no, you don't need to be wired like me. What you need to do is is, and this is what I tell everybody, you have to figure out what skills you have currently. What skills do you need to get to to, to, to get to where you want to go and you need to fill in the gap. <clears throat> the math and numbers required to do a real estate deal, they are not complicated. I guarantee you somebody with a high school degree can figure out the math that is necessary to do what I do. That's the ironic part. Here I am a CPA. I mean, that's like killing a, a, an ant with a sledgehammer. You don't need to be a CPA to do this. And guess what? Most people that do this are not CPAs. They're not, they don't have that financial background.
0: Okay, got it. Thanks for clearing that up. Let me ask you a very real personal question. Could you take anyone in your family, regardless of their skill set, their education, their their wiring, anyone in your family? They're like, Ken, I've seen you. You're crushing it. You're doing eight figures You know, with this. I just want to get to 100K. Like, Can you teach me? So could you take anyone, regardless of background experience, know-how, wiring, and help them to be successful in real estate? Yes, yes or no? Without a doubt. Without I do a it. doubt.
1: And, and 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 you limited that question to my family. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my, my family, they do what they do. I don't force what I do on my kids. I want them to make their own decisions. And if they come to me, great. But I look beyond my family, and that's what's really cool about now that I'm older, I've been doing this for a long time. I now am able to help other people figure it out and I spend a great deal of time uh helping people figure out how to do this. So yeah, absolutely you can do
0: this. Okay. So besides uh desire and skill set and maybe some time, what do they actually re- require to get into this? If someone's listening right now, like how much money do they need in liquid to get into this? Who do they need to speak with next? Like what are those those basic requirements, or and if they don't have them, don't even consider it yet. Maybe go save up some money.
1: Yeah. So it's going to depend on how you're getting into this business. So people that want to get into real estate, I I answer this question all the time. When when you're trying to figure out, okay, you want to buy a a 50-unit apartment building. Well, somebody in your group, now you have to work together, right? The best way real estate works is when you're working with somebody else. Most people don't do it alone. So you somehow you have to have some net worth, right? Or the bank won't give you a loan. Somehow you have to have some liquidity or the you have to have some or the bank won't give you a loan plus you won't have a down payment. Somebody has to have a little bit of experience and somebody has to be willing to do the hard work, right? So let's pretend like you don't have money. Then you be out of those four people that might get together to do a deal, you be the worker and go put in your sweat equity. That's what I did going going early on. I told you I borrowed the down payment. And I got my in-laws to help me with the rest of it. And they trusted that I would do whatever it took to make that successful. Right. So I was the worker bee. They had the net worth. I didn't have much net worth. Trust me. Okay. Not at all. And I had very little liquidity. So you just have to put those things together so that you can then figure it out. Right. It's so you're going to partner up with people is what generally happens. And that's how most people get started.
0: So when you say you did the work, uh, does that mean you put together the people and the deal and did all that legwork? Because you said you hired someone to run the actual buildings, right? Day to day. Cause you were working yep. as a CPA.
1: Yeah. So in the real estate world, there's a something called asset management and then there's property management. So I hired somebody to be on site to be that property manager. She would, uh, collect the rents she would show the apartments and things like that and kind of report to me as the asset manager when I say do the work I mean the asset management work so make sure that that person has been hired to do that work make sure that uh, you know the bills are paid things like that right some of the things that I did um, I, I did remember I'm a CPA so it took me about 15 minutes a week maybe to pay bill I mean how hard it is it to get a bill and write a check and put it in the mail it's not that hard. Right, anybody. I mean, you do it every day as, as part of your household. So that's that's what I did. Now I help people now try to figure this out, and you know, it's kind of like a matchmaking process, right? I know this person who whose uh, morals and their values align with this person. So hey, you two need to get together because you've got some liquidity, you don't. Let's put it together, and between the between the two of you, you you're, you're going to have the ingredients that can make that successful and go develop that relationship because life is always about relationships no matter what and figure out if that could work and you can work together so that you can both be successful. So
0: if someone's listening right now and they're saying, okay, there's four seats that need to be filled. If I want to get into uh, real estate, like Ken, you know, investing, um, do they need to be people that they know for all four seats or could it be total strangers and they, They get in touch with someone like you and you're like, hey, let me reach out to this guy in my network. He can fill that seat or this gal. Is that
1: how you can do a deal
0: or does it have to be people within their own personal network?
1: It's going to depend on your level of comfort. What is really important, it doesn't matter how you begin to know those people. What matters is that you do get to know those people and understand and, and trust one another. Right. Because now you're going to kind of function as a team. So now I'll I'll take you back to early on in my career. I did a number of deals with an attorney that I met. Remember, I told you I spent two years trying to figure this out. Well, this attorney happened to speak on, I think it was evictions, right? You know, you got to understand that process, right? You just have to understand it. Well, he spoke. I developed a relationship with him. He had the net worth on liquidity. I did not. So he was kind enough to say, look, you do all the work. um, We'll share this not based on the amount of capital we each put in, but instead we'll let you have this sweat equity, which allowed me to get started. You see, so I developed a relationship with him. He over time began to appreciate what I did and trust me and I trusted him. And so we did a few deals together. This goes on in the real estate world all the time. So it doesn't matter where those relationships originate. There are networking groups everywhere, online, in-person, real estate clubs. I mean, they're everywhere. You just have to find them and then insert yourself into them. And you'll, you know, you'll develop relationships, right? Because that's what has to happen. So does that make sense? Did answer your question? Yeah, it did.
0: Thank you for clearing that up. So what are the four specific seats that you need to fill in order to get started in real estate investing?
1: Yeah. So what what I talked about is, okay, you got to get a bank loan, right? Because you're probably not going to pay cash. So if you're buying an apartment complex, the lender is going to want to know that you have enough enough net worth to cover the loan. That's just kind of their rule of thumb. They're going to want to know that you have some liquidity. So in that partner group, we'll call it a partner group, mm-hmm. that you have about 10% of the of the loan balance in liquidity between the four of you, okay? Or five of you, or three of you, or whatever it is, okay? So net worth and liquidity, those are important. And then somebody has to have experience. Now, sometimes you can fill that seat with a property management company. Like we do some third-party management. We do mostly all of our stuff in Florida. So if somebody's kind of new and they bring us to the table, we've managed over the years about 16,000 units. So the lenders will say, oh, you hired them? Well, they know their stuff because they know who we are and they know our credentials. Okay, so we filled that seat even though we're not equity players. Then we have somebody that's going to be the asset manager. See, so you're filling all the seats in any way that you can. Um, Now, the question is, do you need to go raise more money in addition then everybody kind of uses their own little network right most people have a network of people that they can get some money from to to put the deal together so those are the seats that you need those four okay got it thank you for that
0: uh what what's been you know like you're in florida right everybody and their sister is house hunting right now right and rentals Purchases. I mean, it is wild west happening right now in Tampa. I know cause I'm in it and it doesn't matter how much money I have. Like people don't even call me back, right? Like cause the houses, there's 40 offers on every property within the first hour. Right? So like, how do you find the inside deals? What's been your success? Like what's that marketing strategy? Your number one marketing strategy to find that deal.
1: Yeah. So we don't buy homes just to be clear yep. we buy apartment buildings, generally 75 units and up. So mm-hmm. it, it's like anything in the world. So we started uh, down in Florida about 15 years ago and over the last 15 years, we've developed relationships with brokers. The broker community in the commercial side is much smaller than it is on the residential side. Okay. So they get to know us. Remember, I said we do some third party management. Mm-hmm. So that means that broker has somebody who wants to buy a property, but they don't have a property management company. They bring us in. So now we help them get their deal done and help their client be successful. Well, if you're standing next to someone in a business relationship and not necessarily in an, you know, in a confrontational or adversarial relationship with them, your relationship with them goes much deeper. It's it's really interesting watching how that happened. When we first did this, I didn't understand how it would play out, but as it played out, it just further developed that relationship. So what happened was when in the commercial space, guy wants to sell his apartment complex. They go to the brokers, the broker lists the property. Now they get 15 offers. So now the broker's got to tell the seller, who are all these people? What are they for real? Can they really close? Will they retrade you? Will they jerk you around? What you know, can they get it financed? All of those questions. Well, now they know who we are because they've known us for 15 years. Mm-hmm. They've done deals with us. We've helped them get deals done. They really understand our moral compass and what we will and won't do. And we promise that they get it when we sell it, if they give us the deal, right? Everybody so likes pretty it.
0: much your bro, the broker network here in Florida has become your personal sales force for your company.
1: That's yeah, what it sounds yes. like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Our biggest source of management clients is the broker community. I mean, it's. Yeah. I get three to four referrals a week. Um, most of those people end up not buying because, you know, most people, like you said, the whole world wants to buy in Florida for all the right reasons. The problem is the whole world doesn't want to take the time to really keep at it and go at it. They want to, they want to sort of graze the surface, see if they can pick off some low hanging fruit. And if they don't, then they move on. That's what most people do. Mm. See, we're there for real. We're not going anywhere. And the brokers know that. So, you know, we just, like anything, right? Any relationship, you just keep in front of them and and you'll end up getting the deal. So they know we're going to close. We raise the money up front. We don't, you know, we're different than syndicators. Syndicators go find the deal, then raise the money. We raise the money up front, then go find the deal. So the broker knows we have the money. The mm. broker knows we're not going to retrade them. The broker knows we're going to treat their seller fairly. The broker knows that they're going to get it. See, there's so many reasons yeah. to give us the deal. That's how you do it. See, this takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Which is why most people end up passively investing with guys like us, because that's a massive amount of work to do for them individually. And they just don't have the time or the commitment to do it is what usually happens.
0: Yeah. And that's what I'm hearing. Right. And that's really my line of questioning right now is if someone's listening right now and they want to get into it, get started like you did back in the day, like. Is it just too crowded, too much work, et cetera, for them to do this and find all the networks? Or does it just make more sense for them to partner with like a a KRI and hopefully they qualify and and you're like, man, I see value in you. You fit in this seat. We're going to go raise the money. Then we're going to help you go find the deal or you already have a deal and let's move this forward. Is that kind of what I'm hearing right now?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, most people do is they start off passively because they get frustrated. They say, oh, KI's getting deals. And I can't can't even get the broker to call you back, I think you said, right? Mm -hmm. That that really does happen, as you know. So they know that we can get the deals. So they start off investing with us, right? And so over time, they get to know the market. They get to figure out what's going on. Uh, You know, our investors, I mean, some people never stop passively investing in real estate because our investors get 15, 20, 30% annual returns. I mean, that's not... That's not bad, right? That's not mm-hmm. bad for doing nothing except investing your money in a deal. Other people really wanna keep at it. And so they'll keep at it, they'll keep learning, they'll see what we're doing. You know, We continue to have conversations with our investors and sometimes those investors migrate from being passive to what's called the the general partner pool, right? The person that puts the deal together, it just takes time. That's typically how that relationship evolves. But in, in markets like Florida, they usually start off passively investing. Pretty cool. All
0: right. So who would you not recommend get into uh, real estate investing the way you're doing it? Like who's that person where you've just seen time and time again, man, this is, you're just not a good fit for this.
1: Like, <laughs> Yeah. The person who does, so let's assume you're talking about passively investing, mm-hmm. right? So uh I mean, you have to have money in order to passively invest in real estate, right? If you're, the the thing that you bring to the to the table with our deals is capital. So capital, if you don't have any capital, you're not gonna be able to passively invest with us. So now if you wanna do it yourself, the next question I would ask you, because remember I had to bifurcate the people here, passive investors versus not. So if you don't wanna be passive and you wanna do that sweat equity thing, you need to be prepared to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty and figure the business out figure out what it means to be a renter shopping a market the how does this property stack up against all the others in the market see it's not complicated it's do you have the commitment to spend the time and the energy learning this and if you don't and you'd be shocked at how many people don't then don't do this because you will lose money but yeah. if you're if you're focused and you're driven and you want to learn from people like us i mean there's a lot there's no shortage of places. Like us, you know, I do podcast, I do all kinds of things to help teach people because I want them to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing that is the hurdle for them is they just don't realize that it takes work and they want it to have, they want to decide today, they're going to do it. And in 60 days, have a deal under contract. And that's just not how it works. It takes a while. Come on,
0: start nation, stop acting ignorant. That's ridiculous. There's no quick fix in any business, any industry. All right, Ken. Uh, you know, if someone wants to get in passively, they want to be passively invest, work with your company, you get the deals, you you do it all or whatever, and they just throw in some capital. What's the minimum amount of capital they need to have? You know, discretionary income to put in into a deal.
1: Yep. So we work with accredited, what what the SEC calls accredited investors, and those are people that make uh, two hundred thousand a year or have a million dollars in net worth without counting their home. So our minimum investment in one of our funds is 100,000, mm-hmm. um, because it kind of fits with the accredited investor model. And so that that's what it takes to get in. Um, okay. If you're if you're interested in trying to figure out how to reach out to us, first of all, people should really think about taking a look at our book, KRI properties, no, KRIpartners.com slash ebook, almost got the wrong address there, but that book helps you figure all this out Who should, you know, how should it fit in your life? How to vet guys like us to make sure that our investment product matches up with what you're trying to accomplish. That stuff's really important to us. Mm -hmm. But uh, KRIpartners.com slash ebook, that way you can get to us, you can get in touch with us, download the ebook, that way you're a little educated, and then we can take it from there, you know, just hop on a call with me to figure out what's what's the next step. Because it's important to me that if you're going to invest with us, that your goal actually is in alignment with what I know we're going to do because I don't want to have a conversation with you later about, you know, you wanted to get in and out in six months. Well, that's just not how it works. And I don't want to put us in a bad situation for for obvious reasons.
0: Well, Ken, thank you for educating us on a lot of You know, this uh, that many of us don't understand, like we don't understand the ins and outs of it. And maybe we come in with the wrong ideas and then we lose the shirt off our back. So thank you for helping us not to do that. Uh, We really appreciate it. And I do want to ask you this before we get into my favorite part of the show. I want to ask you because you mentioned you were a workaholic in your former life, right? And I'm sure it's easy to get pulled into that trap even in this business of working too much, uh, putting business and financial goals ahead of family and your faith, your beliefs. Um, what's what's your number one success habit uh, that really helps you to stay grounded, uh, keep your, your family relationships, your priority rather than work? What do you do on a daily basis to really stay aligned in your end goal, right? Your end state.
1: Yeah. So what I do is I try to remind myself every day as to why we do what we do, right? We're you, you, I, A lot of people get this thing backwards. They think that they're put on earth to work. And I know that we're put on earth. We, we work because we have to, to be able to do the things that we want to do. So I keep that in perspective. I constantly am trying to structure everything that I do to create the life that I want. Right. I mean, we're, you know, I, I feel like I have it now. I have a lot of flexibility. If I want to take off the rest of this week, I can do it tomorrow. It's not, everybody's going to do their thing and, and everything's going to function the way it should. <clears throat> so what I try to do is you just continue to fine tune that. And that keeps me focused when I do what I do every day. Stand by. Take a
0: sip of your Starbucks coffee. There we I can't believe you drink Starbucks burnt coffee. Oh, my goodness. No judgment.
1: <laughs> Not at all. Not at all.
0: <laughs> okay. Let's get into my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the Hustle Round. Uh, Ken, what's your favorite thing about owning your own business,
1: man? The control over okay. my time. Okay. What's your least favorite thing? Um, The buck always stops with me. I have to make sure that it's right and gets done right. Make yeah. that we meet all of our uh, commitments to our, our people, our clients, our investors. It's a lot of responsibility, right? It is.
0: Yeah, for sure. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently challenged with or struggling with uh, right now, either professionally or personally?
1: Yeah, my, my my I can hear my daughter laughing as you ask that question. And that is, I just, Uh, I don't, uh, I hate working out, but I need to work out. And that is my challenge. I need to work out a whole lot more. Got it. What are you most afraid of? Ooh, that's a good question. What am I most afraid of? That I will have lived my life and not had the impact on my kids that I want to have and the rest of the world.
0: Spoken like a good father. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year?
1: Ooh, this past year. Probably doing things in my business that I really shouldn't, I should have delegated. Yeah,
0: that's very common. What secret fear do you have about people?
1: Ooh, people. Um, I don't know that I have a a real fear about people. Um, That's a really good question. What do I fear about people? That they misunderstand me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's it. I, I'm trying mm-hmm. to, I'm trying that one's uh, out of, out of, uh, you know, kind of out of the feel for me. I didn't think about it in advance, but I think that's it. Cause I don't yeah. want, it would bother me if somebody, what I, I'm always trying to help people and sometimes they don't perceive it that way. And that would, that would make me sad because I'm always trying to make, I'm always trying to help people.
0: Yeah, I get that one. Uh, what do you wish you had learned sooner in business?
1: To get out of my own way. How do you mean? I think I have learned this lesson that um, we are, I, I have this little saying and I probably stole it from somebody, but I don't remember who. We are where we are because we've chosen to be there, right? And and that's a convoluted way of saying your brain puts you in a certain spot, whether it's personally, professionally, whatever it is, You your brain limits where you can go. And the reality of it is most people can be far more than what they are, either personally, professionally, financially. It's just their brain. They haven't let, their their brain hasn't allowed them to think bigger and to think beyond where they are now. I see a lot of people limit themselves because they just can't imagine owning an apartment building. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a perfect example. They just can't imagine owning a 100-unit apartment. It's never gonna happen. So why even start down this road? that is what that's the number one that's it right there
0: yeah i get that right those are what i call rocks in your head right head trash that's what rocks are right it's those limiting beliefs and lies you've had since you were a kid you're not good enough you're not capable to own right a 100 unit building etc and you and all you see in your life are problems but you struggle to see possibilities right so once we blow up those rocks you start seeing possibilities everywhere where you used to only see Problems. All right. What's uh? What's uh? What do you wish you had learned sooner in business, man? Did I just ask you that one? Yeah. Yes, I right. mean, yeah. I what, think you did.
1: I mean, a yeah, very. Yeah. Easy yeah.
0: Um. What is a new habit you're going to create in your life this year? This year? Yeah. This year.
1: Oh, it needs to be working out more.
0: Well, it needs to
1: be, but are you going? I need to do that. Oh, he keeps saying,
0: I need, I need. That doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, I hear you. I see what's
1: going on right now.
0: I hear you. (laughs) He's like, like oh, man, he's blowing up rocks in my head. I don't like this. He is. I like it. Uh, What's a bad habit you're going to break, Ken?
1: Not working out. Okay, got it. It's the number one thing in my life that needs to get changed, and it it will change.
0: Can I ask you a real question? Like, because there's so many people that deal with that rock, right? The yeah. fitness rock. Like, what what's going to change in your life if you start working out and start taking your health seriously? Like, what? How would yeah, you yeah, like? No, that
1: that's a that's an honest that's a that's an amazing question. What? Uh, so so what happens is, uh, I see it even with short periods of doing more exercise. It actually clears your mind. You think you don't have time to do it because you think you're busy doing these other things. But when you go do it, you realize you shouldn't have been doing those other things. Exactly. And that focuses you on the things you should be doing. It clears out
0: the chaos in your head, doesn't it? And gives you clarity. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I really get that. Uh, Pick three words to
1: describe who you are now. Oh, wow. Um, Proud of my kids. Um, focused on helping other people and uh, eternally grateful that I've been able to accomplish what I have. Very cool.
0: Pick three words to
1: describe who you were your first year in your business. Scared, um, extremely nervous. They're, they're going to all focus on that. Um, and uh, probably clueless. Yeah, right. You think a CPA commercial, how can you be clueless? but I really was. There's so many things you don't know when you start out.
0: Yeah. And last question, Ken, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends, your wife and your kids in the eye, and give them only one piece of advice about everything, about real success, like what it takes to be truly successful in this life. What would you say to them? Spend some time
1: thinking about what your wife, your life to look like and focus on making that happen.
0: All right. So, Spend time, Startup Nation, on what you want your life to look like and then focus on making it happen. Ken, this is the time of the show where you get to give Startup Nation a homework assignment for this week, like something that's going to get them closer. What's one action they must take to get them closer to that life that they
1: actually want? What do you got for them, brother? Well, I want them to, to do what I just described, and that is I'm going to give them two homework assignments. One, I want do them it. to figure out what they want their life to look like and then I want them to set three to five goals. That's going to start heading them in that direction because until they start moving, they're not going to get there. That's what I want them to do. That's what I did that changed my life.
0: Okay. Startup nation, go do it and stop complaining or keep complaining and don't do it. The choice is yours. It's really that simple. All right, Startup Nation, do you love this show? Like, come on, you like guys like Ken? Look, I'm bringing on the best of the best of the best. If you love him and you love this show and you want more guests like Ken who are just dropping so much knowledge and wisdom and saving you time and energy and money from making all the mistakes they made, well, then go write a five-star review. Go to first100k.com. You could do it there. Or you can go to uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Or you could go to Stitcher Radio and write your five-star review there. And if I like what you write, I'm going to give you a shout-out live on the show. Like I'm about to do right now for handle, you, Dewey. You, Dewey. You, Dewey, thanks for writing your five-star review. Uh, he writes or she writes, coming from the right place. The one thing we all need is family. Oh, look at that. That's what we're speaking about today. Uh, Joseph has created a space through uh, First 100K Podcast where you can be who you are right now, the person that God made you to be. As an entrepreneur, this kind of support is rare to get, and I am happy, a happy supporter of this show. You, Dewey, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for uh, donating to the show and supporting the show. We really appreciate you. Startup Nation, go write your five-star review right now, okay? All right, Ken, where do they go, man? They want to learn about you. They want to partner up. They want to sit in one of the four seats and do a deal with you, brother. What do you got for them?
1: Yeah. KRIpartners.com. And if you you want to read the book first, slash ebook. KRIpartners.com slash ebook. Get you on our list. Uh, You can uh, drop off if you want, but that's how you get started. And then it is not hard to reach out to me. Just uh, just reach out. KRIpartners.com. K-G-E-E. KRIpartners.com. Get you to my email. And I'd love to have a conversation with you. Ken G, they sound like a rapper or something, man.
0: Ken G, thank you for being on your first 100K. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thank you, same to you, sir. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you wanna crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines?